man, I love this multi-decade long science fiction franchise. Well, I love this multi-decade long science fiction franchise. Oh, boom. Ah, oh, oh no. You got your multi-decade long science fiction franchise into my multi-decade long science fiction franchise. No, you got your multi-decade long science fiction franchise into my multi-decade We're talking about Star Trek Doctor Who Assimilation Squared. everybody and welcome back to your new favorite show the more you nerd and we are back with another comic cavalcade crossover however we decided to title these episodes uh, and this week we are covering 2012's doctor who star trek the next generation assimilation squared but i can't do it alone miles how are you friend i'm doing great and i'm I'm always excited to talk about I love talking about comic book crossovers because it gives me the opportunity to talk about two things I love. And in this instance, it's two things that, you know, both of us are big fans of. I mean, I I full on love both of these franchises. I know you're more of a, a Trek fan than a who, who fan, but I know you do like Doctor Who a lot. Um, And. For a lot of people, I remember when this is announced when it came out, a lot of people were just like, how come it took this long? <laughs> you know, well, uh, wouldn't you know it? This is not the first time that such an idea was bandied about. Wouldn't so, surprise me. So uh, do you remember back in the early 2000s, uh, around about 2004, 2005, a little show was on the air called Star Trek Enterprise. Do you remember the show? Yes. Miles? Yeah. Do. Uh, do, do you remember another show that came back right around that time for the first time in several decades? I do. Yeah. It's a show called Doctor Who. Uh, and as they were planning, Russell T. Davies and the, the BBC were planning the, the reboot, the Christopher Eccleston uh, Doctor Who. I guess it's I'm calling it a reboot. I know it's a continuation and. Da, 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 da. Uh, but they actually reached out to the producers of Star Trek Enterprise to talk about crossing over their shows and having a crossover between Star Trek Enterprise and Doctor Who, these two long storied science fiction franchises. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, uh, Enterprise was canceled before anything could ever happen with that. But uh which, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, if there was going to be a crossover between Star Trek and Doctor Who, I'm glad it wasn't the Enterprise team. Ex except uh, the temporal Cold War and time travel and people doing time travel shenanigans was all over Enterprise. They oh, really could have made it work. I understand that. I understand that. I mean, this fran neither franchise is a stranger to time travel at all. Um that happens in, I think, every iteration of Trek, it seems. Yeah. Yeah, I think it has. Uh, um, yeah, they've all time traveled. I mean, the, the original Enterprise did it all the time. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about this, because I, I know that uh, Davies was always seemingly down 
to do, do some sort of crossover. I remember when David Tennant was cast in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, they worked really hard and it almost happened to having a crossover episode for Doctor Who. And <laughs> I don't know if that would have worked, but, you know, it probably I mean, he references he I mean, he referenced, you know, that. Franchise a couple times in the second or third season, um, so I could I could see it happening. It wouldn't be wouldn't be the first time he's met a fictional character. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, that's true. I, I, I love the idea, though, of Star Trek, the next generation and the kind of new who uh, coming together because it it fits so well. And so to have a, a kind of a prestige eight issue miniseries detailing what feels like a spec script for a, a multi-part episode yeah a multi-episode uh you know arc this could be a mid-season two-part episode um although though based on the way this book is is written probably have to be a couple more episodes longer than that but it this this show or this, this show good lord listen to me uh so this book was put out in in 2012 uh in in kind of two you know sort of four issue runs um and this is uh put out by idw publishing idw is going to be very popular this month as we mentioned last week because <laughs> they love it's gonna be I, we might be talking about them every single week they love doing comic crossovers uh written by uh scott and david tipton uh illustrated by uh uh, uh jk woodward um who uh, these are these are people that i'm not super familiar with when it comes to comic writing and art um uh, but basically it follows an adventure where the borg of star trek fame and the cybermen of doctor who fame have crossed over into each other's universes and teamed up and require the doctor to uh to uh work with the crew of the USS Enterprise D to stop them uh and uh it's pretty fun <laughs> it's it's very fun here's the one thing that struck me about uh this and, and really about star trek comics kind of in general i find reading star trek comics sometimes difficult because star trek is a lot of kind of theater acting a lot of com conversing and philosophical conversations not a whole lot of uh, action movement sometimes when they're aboard the enterprise sometimes and it can make for some pages that I mean, look nice, but kind of feel a little dull. And I, I don't mean that in a that sounds super pejorative, but I, I'm, I don't mean it that, that 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 it's dull in terms of the actual events itself. I just mean visual, like watching these characters, especially in this in this watercolor style that many of the issues have where you've got this, you know, attempt at photorealism so it looks like the the actors from the respective shows. There it sometimes feels feels like those like freeze frame comics you used to get as a kid where like they took a movie and they just used pictures from the movie to tell the story. So that is probably my and I don't want to say it's 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 a complaint because I don't think it's a complaint, but there is an, a very uh interesting uh uh 
effect because it is a very watercolor style that looks like it is attempting to recreate moments from the show it also looks like it might just be watercolors painted over still images of (laughs) next generation and doctor who characters to make it with some slight alterations to make it look a little different some frames are really really great looking and some frames are really really not great looking as you can sometimes Mm -hmm. have in a watercolor style especially when you have eight issues of this book with these full page watercolor stuff. Um, Yeah. And that's really what I mean is, is that there's a stiltedness to the style and I keep thinking, and I know this, this sounds dumb because it's such an obvious thought. I would a hundred percent rather just watch this play out. Which like if you could, if, if magic could happen and we could actively watch all of these actors interact with one another and, have a a four episode miniseries so and it's it's important that i want to also clarify a couple of other things this is this this book is very clear about when it happens in both star trek the next generation and doctor who Mm -hmm. so uh this is the matt smith era the 11th doctor era of doctor who i love matt smith's doctor i i think Mm -hmm. he's fantastic he might be my favorite. Don't tell the David Tennant fans. Um, but uh, I think I think Matt's great. Like, I think Matt Smith is in, it was incredibly, uh, incredibly talented as the doctor and had such a unique doctor voice. And that mm-hmm. is a voice that to the credit of the writers, I hear that oh, voice. Yes. In the writing of this. Absolutely. I, I do think the writing the writing really shines because one that that this book does well is you get kind of the tail end of what would be a typical episode of the week of Doctor Who. And you also get a, a, a cold open for what would be the opening of an interesting episode of TNG. And so if you're a Star Trek fan and you're just reading this because, oh, this is a big crossover. Star Trek is getting this cool multimedia push because in 2012, wasn't a whole lot of TNG stuff out there. There wasn't a whole um, lot of Star Trek out there. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I mean, the, the, this, the, this the is a way J. J. Abrams movie had come out in 09 uh, into darkness. When was into darkness? Uh, 11. Uh, 2013. So this was made between J.J.'s first movie okay. and his unfortunate second movie. Um, don't I scoff like, at that. It's not a good movie. And I will. It's a great. It's better than Rathcon. I will end this now. Is that what that, I said? That's you are. Oh, my God. <laughs> Send your feedback to Miles personally. Good Lord. I love the Kelvin movies. I don't care what anyone thinks. I, I like I, I like the first one and I really like the third one and the second one. It, the third the third one legit might be my favorite Star Trek movie. <sighs> but so anyway, there wasn't a lot of Trek at the time. and. So you could imagine, hey, Star Trek fans might be picking this book up. And this gives you a really good insight to the Doctor character. Yeah. Well, like if, so, you haven't, if, you, if you haven't been watching Doctor Who, this is a perfect jumping on point because it tells you exactly the dynamic of these three characters very quickly. And so this when this comic debuted, it debuted in May of 2012, which was right before the 
the the the series seven of the reimagined series of Doctor Who. Uh, and so this is when this this is the season where you really have a lot of uh, of progression with what happens in the show. You have a lot of payoff of stuff. I believe Amy and Rory had gotten married at the end of the last season, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, but I say that because, uh, this, this also aired during the, the, during the, or this, this, these issues came out during the time where Amy and Rory left the show, uh, in, in series seven of Dr. Who, which is interesting just cause it, it is very buried in that part right. of, of Dr. Who. Um, but the, but those two were such popular com- companions sure. that like it, featuring it, them no no problem they, they were they were I mean I think they were the longest running Doctor Who companions at that point because uh, I want to say that there was a I thing I think in terms of years because of how long the filming and stuff took I, you might be right I don't remember I remember it was a big deal when when the Doctor and Amy were together for two seasons in a row. Because prior to that point, there had either been a companion change or a doctor change. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Rose Tyler was in the first two seasons, and then well, she comes back. <laughs> um, that's a whole a whole song and whole dance about that. Thing. But uh, um, I mean, she comes back again. I mean, but also, so does Donna, and so do, well, Donna wasn't really a companion because she was just in the you know. Anyway, but what I what I'm saying what I say is that is that era of Doctor Who, very specifically that era, because that is kind of a known specific time. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they give a star date of when this happens in the next generation, and that puts it firmly between the season five episodes of the uh, of the Outcast. And cause and effect, cause and effect being one of the best uh, TNG episodes of all time. It's the one where they get caught in the the time loop and you see the mm-hmm. Enterprise blowing up over and over again. Uh, and at the end, they meet Kelsey Grammer. Um, but uh, so it's it's interesting to see those two very specific times to get uh, together, especially considering uh, that this is a big Borg story and Picard is not. Uh, what do you imagine? If if I'm IEW and I'm going to give someone the keys to both Doctor Who and Star Trek, you, you would imagine you pick a writer who had a very specific vision and knew, oh, this is exactly when it takes place. Like they would have a, a point like, oh, yeah, for Star Trek, it's going to be between these two episodes in this particular season. And it's going to be at this point in in Doctor Who. Like I feel like the person who gets that job is 100 percent going to be very specific on when they want to set that story. I would hope so. I would hope so. Now, I, now I, I need to look at something real quick because I think this is going to be very, very uh, interesting. Yeah. So the cause and effect was episode 18 of season five. Episode 23 of season five is I Borg, which answers a question that was proposed mm-hmm. in this uh, comic, which is mm-hmm. very, very funny to me anyway. Uh, so. We should probably actually talk about the story of the book. <laughs> I mean, the story, you, you basically summed it up. The the Cybermen and the Borg basically get together and they threaten the entire galaxy. And what ensues is um, some really interesting storytelling, because by entering this universe, they have changed this universe's space time, which means that they did encounter the Cybermen at one point in Starfleet history. And it was 
the Tom Baker doctor who did so. So this is one of my favorite. So we get to the third issue and and at the end of the second issue, you see the doctor remembering things he's not supposed to be remembering. And they do a lot of timey wimey stuff. Doctor Who reference. <laughs> uh, they do a lot of timey wimey references to and, and to things that shouldn't happen. And again, I mentioned how the doctor and Amy and Rory read like the doctor and Amy and Rory. I think the same thing is true of the next generation cast, specifically Picard. I, it was so funny because I was like, I don't know if Picard sounds like Picard to me I sometimes. Think, I think Picard, so it is interesting. I, I will say one. Uh, I will say it is weird that they make the Picard the more skeptical of the mm-hmm. crew, but especially part, at this point in the series, especially at this point in the series. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that this episode is the like the a year after best of both worlds has happened. Right. And and they make sure that people know not only that, like for Star Trek fans, this, this happens, you know, Locutus is still fresh in his mind. This is, I, I would imagine, you know, still, you know, very fresh for the entire crew. And they, and they also give you a little bit of a, a crash course in what happened for the, the Whovians who may not have, no exactly but so and and they're obviously also pulling from first contact specifically and picard's reaction to the borg and first contact um yes first contact you may know as a good star trek movie um it's a great star trek yes one of the best uh no argument here (laughs) i don't know why you why you said as a challenge i agree i'm still mad at you for defending into darkness anyway uh but uh, we have it on record of you liking Into Darkness. Yeah, I was wrong. I was very wrong. <laughs> so wrong. That is a movie that if I uh, like, I've, I have not revisited it in years. Um, I, I love like the subject of a future month. I loved it walking out of the theaters. But every time I think about it since then, it's just all all the plot holes pop out. And it's just like, why? Why did I say positive things about it on record? Because now I have to defend myself for defending that movie anyway uh i'm so tied up i'm so tied up into darkness now that i have to talk talk about this actually good thing this star trek so i I, I do want to touch a little bit on what you said earlier but well hang on so so what but one thing that they do which is just a very fun thing and they do it super early and it's it's really just a very small part of the plot at the end of, of of issue two the doctor suddenly sort of has a uh, uh, as he's remembering something he's not supposed to be remembering. And that is the focus of issue three, where you have Tom Baker's fourth doctor encountering the Cybermen and the crew of the original series, Kirk, mm-hmm. Scotty and bones as they are fighting the Cybermen back in, in something that happened, you know, 80 years and ago. It's, and it's, it's such a, a really yeah, and they really they cute. change the art style to make it look more sixties and more cartoony mm-hmm. and more bright colors, and it well, almost I looks like that more. It looks a lot <laughs> like the 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 Star Trek the animated series from the seventies, and uh, it, it was mm-hmm. it's it's so much fun to see that because it's just. I also it, again I think they really nailed the characters in in that sequence. I think Bones. And Scotty specifically, I think they did a tremendous job with them. Um, well, and, and what, I, lo- I, lo- I loved how they, they wrote 
uh, Tom Baker. Although, I mean, they had to give a Jelly Baby line. They, just, they, they couldn't they resist. Well, but what, the other thing I like about it is that though the the Starfleet uniforms are drawn, you know, kind of, you know, super high color cartoony. Uh, the people that they encounter are dressed like a 60s era, mm-hmm. 70s era Doctor Who background cast member. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the the they they managed to merge the styles of Star Trek and that era of Doctor Who in a way that was really, really cool and interesting. Um, and I really I really dug that a lot. Uh, but uh, but yeah, uh, but back in the back as the story progresses, obviously the well, not obviously, uh, unfortunately, the Cybermen turn on the Borg and decide that they are going to. Uh, be the ones to actually conquer the universe because they've tricked the Borg into giving them access to their systems. And uh, but the doctor has a plan and Picard and team have have a plan. And uh, and 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 really, it gets down to what I think I like most about this is that every Star Trek character that we talk to, we don't talk to we don't talk to Dr. Crusher a lot, <laughs> but we talk to I mean, she has that one moment with uh, Rory. Yeah, which again reminds me, Rory was a nurse. Like mm-hmm. he was a he was a medical professional at the start of his run. And well, it was, they do a lot. And it was so really cool that they drew they drew a comparison between those two characters. Here is what I really like about this series because the the, the plot itself is very fun. It's it's fun to see them plan. You get to see the doctor be the doctor. Sometimes you see, um, you know, obviously Picard is not. Dressing about a bunch of board being killed, and then the doctor calls it genocide because of who the doctor is. There are some great philosophical moments, but what I love in this series are the moments in between. And you you talked about earlier about how a lot of characters felt like the characters. I think no one on the Trek side was written more correctly than Data and Jordy. Yeah, uh, I think Worf was actually pretty good too. Worf was good. But more, I feel like more DS9 kind of wharf. Um, <laughs> he had a little bit more of a, a humor in some of the stuff he said. Um, but but I love the conversations that Data and Georgie, Jordy had. I love the conversations that like Deanna had with Amy and Rory separately. And you got some good personal insights on uh, some of these characters that I did, would not expect in a normal crossover. Yeah. And and that's why it feels like this was certainly written and created by people who love these things, because otherwise you wouldn't see these moments because they give everybody something to do and they give everybody a chance to be a part of it. it you know, sometimes lesser, like sometimes more, sometimes less like Jordy is not in it much. Beverly is not in it much. Deanna has maybe one of the most impacting uh, moments as as she's trying to. uh to kind of convince uh you know amy and rory that maybe they're the ones that need to talk to captain picard about what's mm-hmm. what's going on and that the doctor is not going to be able to get through to him and like because that also allows amy and rory to do something and not just have the doctor be the star of the show and that is something that you you are used to as a doctor who watcher the doctor being the the most commanding presence in the room and you know, saying this or doing that and drawing all the focus and all of these things. And and it's it would it would have been easy to make the TNG crew sort of a sideshow to that. 
and in a way in a way they are a little bit just because the doctor is such a commanding presence but Mm -hmm. the doctor defers to members of the tng crew and 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 in a complimentary way they're not just the they're not just data (laughs) yeah he does they're they're not just the random uh british accented ship crew that he would come across in this episode or that episode you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that that to me is is really really important for a book like that this to 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 be pulled off i i was really really uh impressed with 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 how that all came together i also love that we have to have some scenes where the doctor shows off the tardis to different members of the of the crew and those moments are fantastic (laughs) because because they give everybody a slightly different reaction to it picard has a very you know like fascinating reaction and and data Data's like, oh this this is obviously this this and this and he's just like i knew i liked you <laughs> exactly it's it, it works really really well in a way that i just you know it, it it's something that i would have i would love you know we're, we'll never see this in live action we'll never see this no. animated but but again it, it just it the the i i see these characters and i don't always you know part of this is is writing i don't always hear the voices in my head and for the most part in this book when i see the character speaking i'm hearing it in that character's iconic voice and that is that's really really Im- impactful and i think probably pretty difficult to pull off for you know you might pull it off for this character or that character but to pull it off for pretty much everybody that's that's really really cool yeah and i i know one of the writers i think tried to pitch a sequel i think i remember seeing some sort of spec at some point in time they wanted to use deep space nine i believe um because i mean this this ends with a little bit of a a tease that there could be you know more out there but i think even even the writers said they weren't going to be using the board and cybermen they were going to do something with the pa race and um something else but which is whatever um i love deep space nine so that'd be great um, but I think the most important thing that this series does, because it's not just a comic book crossover amongst two comic book characters that you can kind of mold to your own thing. These are two long established franchises that have very distinct voices and styles. And this somehow manages to marry the frenetic kinetic energy of Doctor Who and the hard sci fi philosophical aspect of Star Trek The Next Generation and do so surprisingly seamlessly yeah like the doctor is sort of out of his element amongst the enterprises everyone's like you know switch to decaf um but it's not like so strange it's not, it's not like a who framed roger rabbit deal where you have one character bouncing off the walls and you have eddie valiant trying to calm him down they they do give the doctor I don't think they they hammer in some of those moments enough. Like there's that one moment where he complains about genocide and it kind of gets glossed over. And then they have another conversation because for Picard, oh, they killed the Borg. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Great. So some of that, that that I guess I if I, I, you know, you you raise a point that Matt Smith's doctor had these kind of moments where he would get into this very. One fire, just Smith. But I'm talking Smith. And it did it too. Yeah, but Tenet's not in this book. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> well, and it's so funny because I think that Tenet would have been more like Picard. And I, yeah. 
but uh, uh, but ten, uh, but uh, Smith in in his doctor he'd have these sort of fiery speeches, and I know mm-hmm. Smith, I know Tennant did it too, but but Smith's landed better for me. Uh, but uh, no, that's fine. That's your preference. No big deal. But that's one thing that maybe we didn't get, and I didn't I didn't notice that at the time I, that I, I was reading it. But it's something that that really <laughs> they that, did it, but like superficially yeah and not in a way but but they also didn't do it because in a way when 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 the doctor does that he's i think talking down to the people that he's talking to mm-hmm. with that in a way Correct. that they didn't want to do that to with the card captain card I, I of all that. people because either you have to have a back and forth and i don't think there was the page count for it i mean because that that could easily be a a 10 minute scene of two amazing actors just chewing up scenery. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't know if that translates as well because some of, some of the debates didn't always land because you're, you're reading them. And, and this is a very, honestly, this is a, this was an impossible task to pull off. And I feel like they did an exceptional job, not only marrying these two franchises in a way that's extremely satisfying, despite the, some of the quibbles I have about the art, I think the the characters are extremely well represented. They feel like themselves. And the story's a fun adventure. I mean, I know we didn't go beat by beat, but it's I mean, it's a very standard like, hey, these two bad guys are teaming up. We have to do something. And yeah. it's a really fun way. And we then we get to use time travel because we get to see Amy Rory and the Doctor on a board cube during the battle of um Wolf three five nine. Three five nine, um, and I, I always think it's three five seven for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but that was a lot of fun because there there, there was a tiny moment because I think it's Amy who's like, we we gotta stop this. We were told how awful this is, and it's a it's fixed, like, point fixed, point, fixed point in time. Fixed point in time, baby. Can't change that anything. <laughs> That is the plot armor for any any moment that you don't want to have a debate about is, oh, sorry, fixed point in time. Fixed point in time. Nothing we can do. Fixed point in time. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm glad they had that moment because that's that is 100 percent something Amy would protest. For uh, sure. Especially during that battle in that situation. Um, I I also like that they didn't they didn't take the bait to have the Borg really discover them. Well, I mean, that's that's the. That's the thing about the Borg is that, you know, it took it took literal phaser fire to have the Borg. Right. And, and they and they drill that in the, into the script. But almost always there's something that happens that get the Borg to notice the 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 sneakies. And for this to actively not do that, I really enjoyed because it, it kind of turned that trope on its head. <laughs> but yeah, this is a very, very fun crossover. It's I mean, it's two science fiction franchises that I absolutely adore. And I think that they they did an incredible job. I I think this reads better all at once than it did month to month back in the day. I agree with that. I I definitely because I I have owned this since 2012. Um, uh, I collected these in floppies. This first issue came out when my son was five months old that's so wild for me to think about how old this, this wow. book is but uh that's yeah wild uh so i i feel like there's not a lot else we can say about this book other than 
bring on a sequel you know i yeah, I, I, I will have to catch to i'd have to catch up on some doctor who in order to to because they'll probably do you know the 12th or 13th doctor or maybe even the 14th or 15th doctor coming up whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to see different treks, different doctors. I, I mean, there's there's so much they could do here. Um, the, only thing, doctors, the only thing they can't do is have the, the doctor cross over with the Voyager because he'll get the Voyager crew home too early. Fixed point in time. Fixed point in time. Because <laughs> <laughs> he would say something like, I, I could see tenants who with the Voyager crew. For some reason, I really think that... Um, Peter Capaldi's would be on the discovery and I could, yeah, I, I'm just, now I'm just kind of fan casting everything. Um, <laughs> and, and then in lower decks, they'd all be there. Yeah. Yeah. It would be all the doctors. They'd cross over with everybody. They'd cross over with the, uh, the fake, uh, night doctor from, uh, that web comic series. Anyway, <laughs> well, uh, th- not a super long episode for us today, but I think that is okay, uh, based on what we were talking about. And boy, howdy, do we have one that we are going to talk about next week? Let me just call this up. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think this week was also a, a, a thing of like they do so much right, but there's there's not a lot to really convey because again, because of the nature of of Star Trek, sometimes it's like yeah, we can explain something, but that took ten pages in actual comic book time you know what i mean yeah Yeah, so so drew what are we doing next week because this is a different one for us next week this is a different one and this is maybe the most recent one that we are going to talk about um there have actually been two series of these um series one was in 2020 and series two was a year later in 2021 just four issues and i think we're only going to cover well We'll see what we're going to cover. I don't know how much of this we're going to cover because we forgot to talk about this. Um, we are going to talk about uh, 2020's My Little Pony Transformers crossover. I'm I'm excited. I I it's not a franchise that I would have put together. And Nor would I, think I that's have what makes it? Huh? Nor would I have. Yeah, um, and I think that's what makes it fun. I mean, I know Hasbro has put the ponies toy-wise with a lot of different franchises. Um, and in fact, we've also had Dr. Hooves in uh in My Little Pony. Dr. Hooves. I, I remember Dr. Hooves quite well. Um the the thing about this, this is also interesting because they again, this is IDW. IDW loves crossing things over when they as cro- well they should when they crossed over uh transformers and ghostbusters we got a ghostbusters ecto-1 transformer mm-hmm. that both drew and i have that but uh, yeah mine is right there uh mine is right there. actually it's right there uh when uh when they crossed over with star trek they didn't make this toy which i'm very mad about furious uh they they created a fortress tiberius a a transformer original enterprise which was just fantastic and they didn't make the toy i don't understand and why they didn't make that toy i'm 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 just mad about it they made uh, top gun maverick but they they didn't make <laughs> the enterprise 
what they have not done is they have not done uh any pony formers that i'm aware of i think they did i think they did some toys but they weren't transformers they were just my little ponies decked out like transformers yes yes they they did an optimus uh pony so that's not as Um, interesting to me but you know maybe maybe over the next week we'll learn that we're wrong and they did a whole (laughs) I'm, i'm excited to do this i mean my little pony is is a franchise that i probably have the least amount of experience with i've watched a good chunk of friendship is magic. I saw the movie in theaters. I own the movie and enjoy it, but I still just, I feel like I am not as like part of that fandom and I haven't watched enough of that show to uh, be any sort of authority. So it'll be interesting for me to come from some sort of authority on one franchise and then just kind of sitting back and experiencing the other uh, franchise in a crossover. Typically, I, I I know both very well, so this is going to be an interesting experience for me. Well, I I know the Friendship is Magic cast pretty well, so because uh, I had children when that show was on the air, so I just uh, have me, yeah. Well, and Krista, <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> who does love, who does who does, who does, who does, who does love MLP who does love a MLP. lot. So that is this is going to be an interesting one, and we'll see what we're going to read. We're definitely going to read at least series one, but uh, we'll we'll see if we we have the the gumption in us to read uh, the the series two. Uh, but that's going to be next week on our show. In the meantime, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us at themoreunerd.com. You can tweet to us at themoreunerd. You can go to facebook.com slash themoreunerd. And you can email us questions, comments, concerns, show ideas, topics you would love for us to cover. Themoreunerd at gmail.com. That's themoreunerd at gmail.com. So in the meantime, we end our show as we always do with arousing... Nerd. Nerd. Out. Out.